we as a people, we have a moment. We have an opportunity. We have a naturally built rhythm in our calendar, in our lives, to really focus intently on our finiteness, our mortality, and the reality that we are dust. And yet, the Lord wants to do something with that. And so I, 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 want, I want to take an opportunity for us to sit silent for a moment, maybe with our eyes closed, and ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to work in these moments, to do the work he does to make Christ form deeply into us. Now, now for some of you, you're, you're ki- the kids are in here, and kids, listen to me, if you're in a young child, you're in elementary, you're in middle school, you're in high school, you may be thinking this stuff is for mom and dad. It's not. It's for you too. God wants to do something in you as well. God wants to whisper sweetly and softly into your soul as well. And so you take this opportunity to quiet yourself and ask God, God, what do you want of me? What does this moment mean to me? So let's take a moment and be silent and still and open to the Lord. Father, we are in this room together, and we are, we are present uh, with one another, and we know that you're present with us. And, and so just in the posture of sitting and in silence, we present ourselves humble to you, willing, wanting, and desiring you. And so, Spirit, we we ask that tonight you would you would you would work in us to to help us to really die to sin, as your word says. 
to really ponder our own finiteness and mortality to where we'll take advantage of every moment to live for you, to be formed more like you, and to see the world to know you through us. And, and so, Spirit, we know that, that you work in powerful and mighty, big and small, loud and silent ways. And so tonight, we, we just ask that, that you would convict us of our sin, that you would convict us of our lack of desires for you and our hunger and thirst for the world. We, we pray that you would convict us of our apathetic ways, our autonomous ways, our unloving ways, our idolatrous ways. Would, would you show us that? And yet, Spirit, you are so sweet to us. Like a child, you turn our faces away from that and back to the Lord. And so I, I pray for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl in this room. Lord, you just constantly turn our hearts back to you more and more and more. And God, from that, I pray it would cause us to worship you and to glorify you more. And God, I pray that it really would bring us, as your word promises, life. Abundant and full life. And so help us now. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here. It's Ash Wednesday. This is kind of out of the norm. I know it's Valentine's Day. And nothing says uh, Valentine's Day than like going to church and hearing you're going to die <laughs> and having some ashes smudged on your head. Uh, but I just, um, as, as one of your pastors, it just brings me great joy that this matters to you. Um, this, this matters to you. And so as Brandon did such a wonderful job leading us and explaining the season of Lent and Ash Wednesday, it is a great reminder for us to be reminded that we are finite, that we are mortal, that we are going to die. And we're going to do this in such a physically embodied way tonight that we're in just a moment, in just a bit, you're going to come up front and someone is going to ask you, have you trusted the Lord as your Savior? And when you say yes, they're going to take a thumb full of ashes and make a minus side, sign above your head, and they're going to say, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Let me translate that. You're going to die. You're going to die. But then they're going to say, however, therefore, and they're going to do the top part covering that, therefore, consider yourself dead to sin and the life of God through Christ Jesus. And so we won't leave here as people knowing our mortality. We won't leave here kind of shoegazing all that, like I'm going to die, woe is me. We won't leave there, here this way if we're in Christ. We leave here knowing that death is going to be the vehicle that re reunites us with our Lord. We, we know that we have, we have hope 
And so when you look through the Bible, the Bible is constantly showing us through example, through story, and just through straight through that we are of the dust together. If you look all the way back to Genesis, you can see that God created man. He created humanity through the dust. He breathed life into Adam and, and gave him uh, this, this life, this, this life through him, uh, created in his image. And then we see shortly after that, Adam, and then you see Eve later on, come on, they have a command. And the command was what? Don't eat of the one tree or you will surely, what's the word? Could you imagine how confusing that was to them? They're like, die? What does that even mean? We don't know what that is. And then the enemy comes on, tempts, and then what they do? They fell for it and they sin and death entered the picture. Later on in Genesis chapter 3, we're not even three chapters out of the book yet, we see that God reminds them that they are going back to the dust. From dust you came, and to dust you will go. You, you get a little bit further into the story, and you get to the guy by the name of Abraham, or known as Abram as well. And in Abraham, Abraham said this. Abraham answered in Genesis 18 and said before God, he says, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Abraham, he knew his mortality. He knew his finiteness. He knew that he was nothing but dust and ashes. And it's interesting, like when you look at the Bible, you don't even really get out of the first book, out of the first few chapters before you realize that the humanity is broken, that humanity is going to die. Not the way we were intended to be, and yet we, we tanked it. We, we really fouled it up. But, but the good news is we have to keep reading the Bible, and we can see that the Bible is always going somewhere. And it's pointing to the one who will come and take on the dust. One who will come and take on the dirt. One who will stand before us in our place. And his name is Jesus. God would take that death in order to give us life. If you were to look at Philippians 2, it's known as the Christ hymn, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful sections of the Bible, it says this. Paul writes, he said, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. You know what that means? He took on dust. He took on the dirt. He became one of us. Being, uh, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so as we're in this season of Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday is heading somewhere. It's heading to Good Friday. Ash Wednesday is our physical reminder of our mortality. Our death is taking us somewhere. It's leading us somewhere. It's leading us to the cross. It's leading us to someone, Jesus. It's leading us to our rescuer, Jesus. Now, now Jesus, he didn't come to rescue us from our humanity, but to rescue us from our sinfulness because he became human as well. See, in love, God created us. In rebellion, we brought on death. But in obedience, Jesus takes our death. And in love, God recreates us. That's what we see in 2 Corinthians 5 of the new creation because of his great love for us. See, the cross is that intersection of love and death. Jesus announced his love for you and I on the top of a hill, center stage, stripped naked, 
and, cram, and, and, and with a crowd demanding for his blood. This is what the love of God looks like, the death of Jesus, and later on the resurrection of Jesus, so we may have life. Philippians goes on and says this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of the Father. So when we think about dust, we think about ash, it represents us and our mortality. But it also represents repentance, us turning back to God. You're probably familiar with the story of Jonah. Jonah was called to go to the city of Nineveh and tell them to repent. And this is what happens in Jonah chapter 3, verse 6. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. This is representing repentance. This is representing a humbling of self. This is representing what Jesus called us to do, to come and follow him and die to self. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. He said, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die, not just during Lent, but when? Every day. Every day. Why? It's because of the position we are now in in Christ, that we are in Christ, and, and, and that means that we are dead to sin. Paul says this in Romans 6, 5. Listen to this. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. You want resurrection? Go through the cross. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Like, isn't that good news? Jesus will never die again. And once we die... We will never die again. We will live. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So also, you must consider yourself dead. Consider is an accounting term. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so this, this is the opportunity this season brings us. This is the opportunity tonight brings us. This is the moment tonight brings us to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is an opportunity tonight and this season to retune our hearts to God. Because let's be honest, it's easy to fall out of step with God at times, isn't it? Life takes over, responsibilities takes over, life gets busy, things happen, minds wandered, attentions dwell, and so we need these seasons, we need these moments to realign ourselves with the way of God. It also reminds us when we think about our death, that time is precious. You never know what tomorrow is going to bring. So time right now is limited, and yet time is eternal as well on the other side. But it reminds us to order our days. 
And so I think tonight brings us to the place of an extra focus upon repentance. And repentance is good. Look what it says from the prophet Ezekiel chapter 18. God says this, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God, so turn and live. Where do you find life? Dying to sin. Where do you find life? Dying to self. Turn and live. You know, in, in Christianity, in the church, and in the Bible, we talk a lot about dying to self. And let's be honest, dying is not fun, am I right? Like dying to self is a denial of self, and no one likes to do that, am I right? Uh, the, the author of Moby Dick, uh, Herman Melville, said this. He says, and if we obey God, we must disobey ourselves. And it is in this disobeying ourselves wherein the hardness of obeying God consists. We must disobey ourselves in order to obey God. Now, traditionally, during the season of Lent, it's when we give up things, right? You've been around the block a little bit. Some of you come from Catholic traditions. And typically, during the season of Lent, people are going to ask you the question. And the question is, what are you giving up for Lent? And sometimes we make that pretty simple. We're like, well, you know, I'm not going to eat meat. Or, well, you know, I'm not going to watch TV. Or, well, you know, I'm going to do certain things, and that's great. But why? Lent's not just about giving up things, right? It's more than that. It's about dying to self. It should have a bit of pain to it. It should have a bit of a sting to it. It should be extremely or somewhat, I'll mild that up a little bit, painful during the season of Lent. Why? Because dying's not fun. So let's talk about that. Tonight you have a great opportunity to allow some death to happen in your life so we can be more alive and in tune to the life of Christ in us. What is it that we need to die to? Well, there's all sorts of things. We could say some of the simple things like, I'm not going to drink alcohol during Lent. We can say the simple things of like, I'm going to put social media down during the time of Lent. Anybody need to do that? You say the things like, I'm going to remove the Amazon button off my phone during Lent. So you're twitching. Can I be honest? That's good. That's fine. But is that what you really need to do? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Perhaps you need to take everything off your phone that causes you to scroll. Because you're just scrolling your life away. And, and you ever notice when you scroll, you're just, you're kind of looking through it. You're not even looking at it any, any time. You're just habits. So, so perhaps, maybe, may, maybe you're in a season to where you're drinking too much or too frequent. So yeah, that might be a great thing to set down. Or you're eating patterns or something like that. Sure, sure, sure. That's, that's great. But the point of putting something down is to increase our focus on Jesus. To, to increase our focus upon Jesus to increase our loves and desires and hungers and thirst to Jesus, to increase our Christ-likeness. So what if we got really serious about Lent and said, instead of just giving up some of those things, which that may be part of it, what if we, says, I, what if we were to say, during Lent, I'm going to give up some of my individuality. I'm so focused on me and what I want 
that I'm not focused on other people and what they need. I'm not focused on caring for people well and serving people well. What if we were to, to give up some of our hurriedness we have in our heart and say, I'm going to stop doing a lot of different things that really don't matter to where I can have a quieter heart and so I can be more in tune with the Lord and his people and be present. What about, what about those types of things? I'm going to give up isolation because I'm alone all the time because I just don't want to be around people. And what if you're, where's your giving that up to where you force yourself to be around people? You see, like, what are the hard things? Because sometimes we have those surface things of like, you know, these are easy. I'm going I'm to give up country music for, you know, 40 days or whatever it is. Like, wow, that's easy. I mean, you gave up the Cowboys all season, so it's easy. Um, but but what, what if you were to go beyond that? I'm going to give up my time. And so I'm going to serve others at the church. I'm going to give, because like tr traditionally it's giving, praying, and um, fasting. I'm going to give in a way to where I really feel it. So, so let's not miss a moment. Let's not, let's not miss an opportunity. W what if we were to pause and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that hinders me? What is, it, what is it the sin that so easily entangles me? What is the destructive coping mechanism I keep running to over and over and over? What is the ism in my life that really, really prohibits me from giving myself fully to you and really surrendering all? So let's try it. I'm going to ask you all just to be in a spirit and posture of prayer. And what if we were silent again? Because we asked the Holy Spirit to do something. What if we were silent again and said, Holy Spirit, show me. For some of us, we already know. But let's pause and let's just ask him. Spirit, we come to you now. We have a season marked out for increased repentance Increased awareness. We, we've agreed that we're finite, that we're going to die. And so the life that we have, help us to live for you. So show us what is so easily entangling us. Show us what is keeping us from you. Show us what is preventing us from loving your word and loving prayer and talking to you and hindering our communion with you. Show us what's occupying our desires and loves. Show us where we're being formed into the likeness of the world and Jesus not in the likeness of you. Show us where our hearts and our lives are so out of aligned with you Holy Spirit, show us now.
Spirit, we pray that you would give us the boldness, the courage, and the ability, the empowerment to turn. May you convince us with your word and, and by your power that dying to self truly brings life. Help us now, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. L listen to Psalm, or I'm sorry, to Proverbs 3. Listen to Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Repent. What will it do if I turn away from evil? Verse 8. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Do you need healing? Do you need refreshment? Repent. Turn to the Lord. Here in a moment, you're going to be asked to come up front and receive what is known as the imposition of the ashes. And uh, when we put ashes on our foreheads as a sign of the cross, we participate in a visible reminder of our condition and the power of the cross to change that condition forever. Through Jesus taking on the dust of mortal human nature, we are able to once more approach the God of love and have life through Jesus' death. In Christ, yes, you and I will die, but death, listen, does not have a fin the final word. As you and I take the mark of the ashes today, note that the first line reminds us of our sin, our guilt, our mortality. Yet as we take the other mark, it goes over top the first, covering it. It is like the grace of Jesus that covers over our sin. As you take the mark of the ashes, be reminded that yes, you are marked by sin and death, yet as the second stripe is applied, it crosses over the first, and Christ crosses over our death and sin. Now, parents, if you have little ones uh, coming up, or grown-ups, if you have little ones coming up here with you, we're going to ask each person, have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And so um, if, you, if your children have not, just kind of hold them back. Let them come up there with you and look and see what's going on and listen, but do not have them participate if they have not trusted Jesus. If we ask you, have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you say yes, we're going to give you the mark, and we're going to say that saying over you. If you say no, you're just going to get the first line. And we're going to tell you to then now go repent and trust the Lord Jesus and be saved. So if you would, just hold your kids back from that, but let them come up forward and let them hear that and let them listen. I'm going to invite you all now to stand. You're going to see a diagram on the screen. This is the order in which we want you to come. We'll have four people up front helping to apply the ashes. I want to pray one prayer of preparation over one another before we begin. You'll see the prayer on the screen of preparation. If you would, join me in this. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. May these ashes remind us of our mortality and provoke us to humility through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.